And so you and I have signed up. I've signed up. Sometimes I'm taken back by the course was unexpected. Just like the Green Beret guys, it's like I, I didn't know. I didn't have any idea. I saw the video, but I had no idea what would be the cost of this. And I'm sure we've all been there. And, but it's hardened us. Isaiah says, he's hardened me to difficulty. Amen. So uh, I, I looked up a song this week, or yesterday actually, and I, I have uh, spared you my singing of it. But there's an old, old country western song, and I've never liked country western because it's so negative. But here's the song, and you may know it. I'm just going to mouth the words. It's, hey, why don't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song? Hey, why don't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song? Would y'all say that's pretty indicative of our world, that everybody has done somebody wrong, and somebody's mad as thunder about it? I've been mad as thunder about being done wrong. Now, you may think, well, you, you weak little thing. It's true. I've been, I have capitulated. I have fell under the power of the offense, under the done wrong, under the self-righteousness. But I want to tell you all I've recovered. Have you recovered? We went through it. We had a decision to make. We had a choice to make. And we decided we were going to lay that aside because we wanted to be uncommon and exceptional. Everybody around us was... Still, uh, two years later, still slobbering around saying they did me wrong. And they did. There's no exemption for that. But this is a, indicative of a society that's soulish. The common man is soulish. Natural. He's unstructured. He's unpurposed. But the exceptional woman, the uncommon man, has made Jesus Lord. And in that one act... Everything is lined up. All these men that are in these programs, they have said, I want the goal. I want the reward. I want the prize. And so I'll endure whatever it takes to go and get that. And all 97 that didn't make it were very, very strong and purpose-filled. But it takes something different, something uncommon, something exceptional to not only endure, but to have a good attitude about it when they came out. Now, let me tell you something this morning. The devil, y'all know what that is, the devil. I never, I never capitalize his name. I, if, I ever have to, if I ever have to spell out his name, I give him the little d or the little s. But the devil will always try to pull you and me into conflict and strife. Say it with me. Conflict and strife. Now, these things you think are natural, that it's just people, you know, bad people, mean people. Un, unsmart people, but actually, and they many times are, but it's, we've all been there. We've all been pulled into conflict and to strife. But we may not have known what the result of it was. And I want to share that with you this morning in James chapter 3. Look in verse 14, if you would. The Apostle James says, But if we have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. What's earthly, sensual, and devilish? It's bitter envying and strife. 
bitter envying and strife. Bitter envying and strife. In verse 16, he tells us what the end of that is. We may just think it was people. We may just think something dried up, but he says, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Did you know this is the door to all the things we hate? Very natural. Envying is very natural. It's very easy to envy someone. Uh, strife, gosh, we're trying, we weren't in strife. We just were holding our ground. We were just telling our side. We were just, uh, 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 we don't have to take that from these people. And so we get into strife, and he says it'll make you wish you hadn't. It says it's confusion and every evil work. I looked in the Amplified, and it says wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, rivalry, and selfish ambition. Do you all know those people? There will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. Do you all see the door? Can y'all keep the door closed? Sure we can. Sure we can. The New Living says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. I thought they were just full of the devil. I thought that my argument with them was noble. I thought my holding my ground was righteous. But if I got into strife... Everything that hell has comes out. The contemporary version says, Whenever people are jealous or selfish, they cause trouble and do all sorts of cruel things. Y'all know those people. Yes, we do. The English Standard Version says there will be disorder and every vile practice. So I say what the Bible says is stay away from strife. Stay away from strife. Be wrong if you have to stay away from strife. Just be wrong. You're not wrong. You just didn't get to be right in front of them. Which, you know, it never works anyway. Nobody ever says, well, now after an hour of argument and fussing and fighting and carrying on, I see your point and I totally agree and I was wrong and you were right and, and how silly of me. <laughs> <laughs> What's your track record on that? <laughs> ah, so, here's the conclusion to that. Is the devil will always try to draw you into a fight that Jesus has already won. And that's the, that's the, 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 re the, the bait under the box. And the bird goes under the box, and you pull the, st the string, and the box comes down. That is it right there. Uh, he said, uh, uh, the word teaches that uh, the devil will always try to draw you into conflict and strife, a fight that Jesus has already won. Almost all fussing, if people fuss, and, and all of us have and do, or whatever, is because we just don't know who we are, or... We don't think they know who we are. So we go to the mat because our self-identity is everything to us. So we, we're defending our reputation. But the truth is, I think y'all would agree, that we have no reputation. When we got born again, when Jesus came in, our reputation went out the door and we took on his reputation. 
We don't have to defend us anymore because we're bought with a price. We are not our own. So what we have to do, now that we know what envy and strife will do, we step back from the trap. We see it coming, and we step back from the trap. Married couples, people with your kids, in business, at your job, just your friends. Strife is a killer. I said strife is a killer. You think you're just doing this and you can get away with it, but it never happens. Most of our troubles, I think, this is just my idea, most of our troubles is coming from jealousy, envying, and strife. That we're just out of sorts and we just take it out on people or we get where we won't take their stuff anymore. I've taken your stuff for all this time and I'm not taking it anymore. And here comes strife and then here comes every evil work. And we hardly ever connect them and say, man, that was a, that was a cat fight last week and I've had a thunder of a week this week. Yeah, that's exactly how that happens. So the devil will try to draw us into a fight that Jesus has already won. You don't have to defend you because he will defend you. The word says we will never be ashamed. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the head and not the tail. We are above only and not beneath. We are blessed in our coming in and our going out. We are blessed in the city. We are blessed in the country. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He always causes us to triumph in him. As he is, so are we in this world. It doesn't sound like you have to defend anything, does it? He's got us covered. But we have to know that. And we're real particular about a reputation. Because there was a time in our life before Jesus or before righteousness, we had to defend ourselves. Because somebody said, your mama wears army boots. And uh, we, we just go in there and start defending mama. <laughs> they were navy boots. They weren't army boots. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, if you would. It's right there. Just slip over one or two pages. Now, the common man and the conventional woman cannot resist strife. I'm going to say it again. The common man and the conventional woman, or say the conventional man, the con they're, they're interchangeable, cannot resist strife, cannot resist uh, a kick fight, can't resist getting in the debate, getting into the fray. Can't resist somebody saying something that hurts your feelings, and all of a sudden the fight is on. And maybe it's not even a fight. Maybe it's just a, I'm not going to speak for three days. You ever lived with anybody that just didn't talk because they got their feelings hurt? That's strife as much as just getting in there and knocking it down and, and hollering and yelling and finally exhausting yourself and coming to the end of it and somebody saying, let's be friends. Sometimes the unspoken fight is just as vile as the spoken fight. Amen. So we have a need inside of us. It's a carnal need to defend ourselves. And beyond that, to defend the truth. You are lying about me, and I'm going to fix your lie with the truth. However, the truth is usually very self-serving. It's hard, like, I'm going to defend the truth and truth that you're right. So uh, here's the key. The uncommon man and the exceptional woman, the difference between us is not that we don't ever get tempted, that we don't see the snare, that we don't ever look at strife and say, I'd like to get into it. 
But the key is, is that we are happy even when we're persecuted. Let's say it together, first person. I'm happy even when I'm persecuted. Now, anybody, anybody can bow up when somebody gives you a nanny nu nu. Anybody can say, ah, let's go to war, my place or yours. But it takes an exceptional woman, an uncommon man, to be happy through it. How many people do you know in your life that no matter what you said to them and found out later that you were wrong about them, you, they were happy even when the fight was on? It's an uncommon man. It's an exceptional woman that just takes it, knowing the truth, but not having to stand on the truth. 1 Peter 4.14, look what it says. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On, on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Talking about the uncommon man and the exceptional woman. Uh, the word happy there, I looked it up because I wanted to know, so when I found out, I thought you'd want to know. The word there is not happy like an American English happy. The word means to be supremely blessed. Say it with me. Supremely blessed. Again, supremely blessed. And we, here he's talking about using that word when we are reproached, when we are accused, when we are called out for the name, what does it say there? For the name of Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that you can just be obnoxious and an and a, and a empty head, an airhead, or, or just, uh, you can't be that and say, well, I was, I was called out on that and therefore. <clears throat> no, you're just an idiot. We're talking about people that are re reproached for the name of Christ, for your faith. It doesn't even mean that they just say you're of the devil. It just could believe, be like I grew up for years that says uh, tongues passed away. And anybody that believes in that is this, this, and this. Healing passed away. That was the, the course of discussion when I first got the Holy Ghost. How, maybe not now, but that's, that's what it used to be. So the Amplified says if you are censored, and suffer abuse because you bear the name of Christ. Blessed are you, happy, fortunate, and to be envied with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of your outward condition, because the Spirit of glory, the Spirit of God, is resting upon you. It's going to take some uncommon and some, un and some exceptional to go there. But it is a place you can go, because the Word says you can. It doesn't, when somebody calls you out or reproaches you or criticizes you or contends with you, there, it's not like, well, I have to be in strife about that. No, he says here there's a place where you can be supremely blessed. I'm working on me. How about you? Hallelujah. The New Living says, so be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian. For then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. I want the glorious Spirit of God to rest on me. So go ahead and call me out so I can be supremely blessed and get the Spirit of God to rest upon me. What, you know, that's kind of the result of it. So the common man is easily offended. I have been easily offended in my life many times. I just, 
I was looking for a fight. I was in a bad mood. Something else had happened before that. I didn't really like this person anyway. Didn't, didn't believe what they believed, thought they were this, that, and the other. So when they kicked over into my realm that I was already sensitive about, I took the bait and launched and let myself go into them. I've had some fusses with, my, uh, with, uh, with one of my brothers. I've had, uh, it's kinfolks a lot. I have found, this is just something I thought of, I have found that kinfolks are the very best people in life and the very, well, we'll just say worst people in life. That's not the word, but uh, challenging. We'll say challenging. That kinfolks, you can count on them. They'll be there. They'll stand with you. They'll grab up with you and, and hold them off. Or, or they'll run like a puppy and you don't even know where they are. Or they'll be in on the fight with you, against you. Do you all know about kinfolks? Jesus said, uh, it said of, in Proverbs of Jesus, he's the only brother that sticks closer than a brother. He's the only one that sticks closer than a brother. So uh, there's conflict. Here's talking about persecution for the word's sake. There's conflict when the light invades the darkness. Would you all say some things in my, our government maybe? Maybe not, but there's, there's certainly light trying to get into darkness. And there's a reaction. And uh, I've shared with my kinfolks, since I was the only one that was spirit-filled at the time, we just wanted to get them converted. We were so happy. We had the Holy Ghost. We'd been so many years without the Holy Ghost. We just went up to them and said, let us tell you what we've got and you don't. <laughs> Our approach wasn't always the best. <laughs> And we just expected them to say, what is it? Because whatever you've got, I want. But that wasn't always the case. And you know, you can have a kind of an under-the-surface uh, grumble from them where they see you coming and they start bracing up. You ever braced up at somebody when you saw them coming because you knew there was, you knew the last fuss that you had with them, it didn't get resolved? When, when church members leave wrong, which means they disappear. Then when you see them in the grocery store, it's just really hard on them. you got to leave right. I've had a bunch of people leave uh, the church and then came and talked to me and said, you know, this isn't working for us. My wife, my kids, we're just not working for us, so we're just going to go somewhere else. And I'd bless them and pray for them and, and whatever I could. But then there's others. So that's a strife thing that when you see them, there's already tension. Y'all got any kin folks where you just can't agree, but you just don't want to fight because your mother will come wailing on you? Do y'all have a mother like that? That when you get crossways with your brothers, she said, I wish y'all would get along. I just wish y'all would get along. So here's what I came up with. It's not what's done to us that determines our life. It's not what's done to me that determines my life. It's how I react to what's done to me that, that determines my life. It's not what's done, because we all have a story. You got a story about what's been done to you? Sure you do. All of us have a story. And you'd say, I've got the best story, but somebody'd follow along behind you and said, I got one that beats that two and a half times. But it's what we do. It's what, how we react to what's done to us. And that old saying that says nobody drowns from falling in water, they drown from not getting up out of water. 
And that's, that's exactly what that is. So we all have a story, and we ought, to, we ought to live our story on the other side. You have a story when you have victory, and other people have a story because the devil is on their life. We all have to have a reaction to our story. Either you have a story that Jesus redeemed you, healed you, delivered you, funded you, gave you peace, gave us favor, worked things out that could never be worked out, and that's our story. And we ought to have a reaction to that story. Praise God. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. There's some things that aren't just right yet in my life, but wow, he's come and helped me so much. Or if the devil is your father, you're not born again, you're a sinner. You have a story where he's beat you from pillar to post and everything's bad. If you ever get something good to, to, to happen, there's kind of a thing with those people that like, this is too good to be true, it's going to be taken away. Psalm 55, let me just read you Psalm 55 in verse 12. I had to call Pastor West to see where this was. I, I, I couldn't find it anywhere, but he did. For it was not, this is David, for it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me and did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine own equal, my guide and my acquaintance. So he's saying the worst wounds come from someone that you trust. Not from an enemy. Just think about your life and the strife that's come into it in any way. It's usually from someone that you... Sometimes it's your spouse. People fall in love, get married, live happily, 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 and then something happens. And it's not happy anymore. Well, we could have took it from an enemy, but it's our friend, our, our lover, our spouse. When they turned on us, we couldn't bear it. It was so hard. So, uh, Matthew chapter 6. Would you turn there with me? Matthew chapter 6. We have several scriptures this morning. I'm talking about the uncommon man. This is what we all ought to be. All Christians ought to be the uncommon man. If you're born again, you ought to stick out from those that aren't. There ought to be a light, a fragrance, an odor on you that just like, well, here comes those Christians. But many Christians, it's just that they go to church before they go to golf on Sunday versus those that get out there on the greens right away. That's the only difference. There's not much difference in that kind of church. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 says, Behold the fowls of the air. Let's see if I've got that right. Matthew 6. No, that's not right. Y'all know that's not right. Maybe it's... Maybe it's Oh, I've messed up here somewhere. Let me see if it's in Luke. Can y'all just give me a second here? Six. If not, I'll just tell you what it says. 26. There it is. Yeah, there it is. It's in Luke. I was just seeing, seeing if y'all were... Like, Bert, like Curry Blanks says, uh, I've just seen if y'all were in the Spirit. Is that who says that? Woe unto you, verse 26, when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the prophets. So we're, we're talking about what David said uh, 
I saw my enemies. I had my eye on them all the time, but it was my friends that did me in because I wasn't looking for them. But I say unto you which here, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you. Now listen to this, the whole discourse. And pray for them which despitefully use you, and to him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would, here's the golden rule, and as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love them that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much gain. Again, but love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward, your reward, your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. And here's the part I like. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. In other words, he's not in strife. So what's he saying here? This whole discourse of 20, 26 to 35, he's just saying be the same. Pay no attention to whether they're blessings and your friends and your loved ones and kinfolks that are in a good mood or them that are mad at you and are after you and you make them mad because of the light that's on you. He said, be the same all the time. How many of y'all say we could do that? It, but it, you can't be emotional. You can't be carnal. You can't be soulish to not react to them, but to react to the word. Like, you're a sinner and you're mean to me, or you're my family and you're nice to me, makes no difference. I treat everybody the same. And what's the temptation? Well, them that hurt us, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not going to bless them for sure. We're not going to lend to them for sure. We're not going to share with them for sure. And he said, you know, you need to be the same all the time, no matter what's going on around you. And so there's... There's uh, a reward. He said there, uh, there's a reward. Where was that? Uh, well, it's in there somewhere. I've lost it already. There's a, oh, here it is. Uh, and your reward, verse 35, and your reward shall be great. There is a reward for outlasting persecution and strife. There is a reward. And that lending business and turn the other cheek, that's, that's not him telling us to go find somebody and slap you twice. He's saying just be the same as you would if you had a friend, a dear friend, that cussed you out, cursed you, and said naughty things about you. But you just let him go. He said be the same to everybody. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. Is that where I was? Matthew chapter 5. Y'all got just a few more minutes to... Work this out. So we're fine-tuning SEAL Team 6. We're fine-tuning Air Force Rangers. We're fine-tuning Green Beret. We're not talking up here about, well, you, you need to quit sinning, and you need to quit doing wrong, and you need to do right, and you need to be good to your neighbor. That, that's all true. It's all right. It's all 
But that's basics. Even people that aren't Christians, people of other faiths, the Buddhists, the Muslims, the Hindus, that is their mantra. That is their, their discourse, is be good. You're tempted to not be good? Well, be good. Just because it'll go good for you. But we're not saying that. We're saying we're a light shining in the darkness. And our goodness, our light, is not just that they see us and say, there's a lot of non-Christians. I have known them that are more virtuous, more righteous, more, more law-abiding than a lot of Christians I've known. I don't know if y'all know those people, but uh, Christians do not make you pretty. They just make you in transition or not. But there's lots of people that they don't know God at all, and they are the best people you've ever met. So it has nothing to do with that, does it? It has to do with the light shining. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Uh, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you, falsely for my sake. Rejoice. Here we go again. Be happy. And be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. There he goes. He said, be the same. Be the same to those that don't like you, because you're in love with everybody. By faith, we're in love with everybody. For God so loved the world, he gave Jesus. He, it was everybody. The good ones, the bad ones, and the in-betweens. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. There's always a reward for outlasting persecution. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Hallelujah. We've got a lot of scriptures, so you may want to just look at the screen and follow along. Verse 10. Ooh, this is, this is, the, this is where Paul has been through old Billy. He has, uh, he's been shipwrecked and whooped on and left for dead and everything. And uh, it says in verse 10, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, that would be pressure in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The Amplified says, so for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased and take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, and distresses. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am truly strong. Yay, let's be strong. This is just a workout. Go to the gym. You go to the spiritual gym. You just say, ah, you're carnal. You're, 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 you don't know God. You're not walking with God. So we're just going to let that go. Catherine Kuhlman always used to, she took a lot of persecution. You know who she is? The, she got, had amazing miracles. And she was a frail little woman, and uh, not frail, but slight. And uh, somebody would come to her, her manager or something, and says, well, this, the, the, the church over here, they're all ganged up and said, you're of the devil and you're whatever. And she said, John, let's just pretend that that didn't happen. That was her little saying, her response. Let's just pretend that didn't happen. I've never forgotten that. And I, I'm doing better with it. But I'm endeavoring to just forget that that ever happened. 
You know, when you're in the ministry, sometimes you take some hits. But everybody does. That's just my story, but you've got a story too. In Mark chapter 10, I like this one. This is the one that Melissa read. I thought she was going to preach the whole thing and we were just going to be through. Chapter 10 of Mark, verse 29. She said one word in there that really makes this perfect. Now, I have claimed this verse for myself personally because I think I've left some things just like you have to be a Christian and then to be a strong Christian. Strong Christian. Three out of a hundred Christian. Jesus said, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters. Now, you know he's not talking about has left. It could be that you've just chosen to be estranged or just chosen to, just chosen to agree to disagree instead of just capitulating, just saying, well, to get along, I'll just not share my faith. Ah, we share it. It's all in us, all over us, so it's going to come out of us, isn't it? There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife. Uh, we had a pastor in the Baptist church in Seagraves. She did not want to be a part of the ministry. Woo! And so she, uh, she found her another feller. It was quite a scandal. Hallelujah. But she didn't want to be in the ministry. Or lands for my sake in the gospels, but he shall receive. He shall receive. He, he, he gave up. He let go. He walked away from what he could have fought for. And he shall receive from the Lord. He gave up from the earth and took his cue from the Lord. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and all these people that are precious to us with persecutions. So you're going to be right, but you're still going to be persecuted. And in the time to come, eternal life. Don't you love the gospel? The world is so unfair. The world is so, so unfair. And when we talk about persecutions in America, it's almost a slap in the face to the martyrs that have truly been persecuted for the kingdom. In the 1040 window across that, uh, at North Africa and uh, through China, uh, if they catch you with the Bible, they catch you with a page out of the Bible, then you're, you and your family are done. They're dragging you off and making an example of you. That's what the crucifixion was all about, was to make an example of the, of the people that were rebels. Well, they, may, they have their ways. So if, if you're in a house church and you meet out in the country, and someone snitches in that house church, someone snitches to the authority, and they all show up on whatever day that you're meeting, everybody goes to the, to the prison, to the camp, to the... Inter everybody goes. So that's, that's persecution. You know, we're inconvenienced, and we're a little in umbrage. Well, who do you think you are, Mr. Baptist or Mr. Methodist or Mr. whatever? It's nothing. It's nothing. But yet we're, we're not used to these hard things. So a lot of times we take umbrage at just little slights. You believe in healing? What's wrong with you? Because they used to say when I was in church that, that uh, healing passed away and tongues were of the devil. So obviously if you didn't think tongues were of the devil, then you were of the devil or whatever, you know. 
Ah, that was nothing. At the time, we were just heartbroken that our friends, our loved ones, our church people, our family took such a hard stand against that to get to us. And it just hurt our feelings. It's just like, what? I could have seen this from an enemy, but you're my dear family, my dear friends. Ah, it all worked out amazing. Many of them got the Holy Ghost and lay hands on the sick now. So, nanny, new, new devil. A hundredfold with persecutions. So it's more than you paid for, but it still costs a little bit. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.15, let me just read it to you. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. Now you don't know it, but when you walk into a crowd, you have an odor, a smell, a, a aura around you. I can hardly tell you how many people over the last 40 years have come into my home and been there just any time at all. And when they would begin to leave, they say, there is such a peace in this place, such a, a life in this place. Well, that's what each one of us carry. They don't all react to it outwardly, but they know it. Because we, we, we know it. We know when someone's what we call wet on a nettle. Well, I may not can say that. Never mind, just a minute. I mean, a burr under your saddle, I'll say that one. <laughs> Hallelujah. We all know when somebody's cranky with us. Okay, I know when somebody's cranky with me. That's what I'll say. You do too. We just choose. We just choose to say, ah. For, unto, for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. How's that? To the one we are the savor of death unto death. We convict them. Remember when Charles Finney would get on a train and everybody would fall in the aisles and cry out in loud voices? My God, you convicted me of my sins. I must know your God. Where he would go into to the small towns and they would close the businesses, close the bars, and everybody go to the largest church in town and listen to him preach. That's, that's like another world. That's like we went to Venus and we found this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to them, to the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other, the savor of life unto life. So people are going to be mad at you when you walk in just because of who you are. The inside part of you will work on them, and they will, like the devil, they'll curse you. They'll be mad at you. They'll disagree with you because they've sold out to death. But when you walk into a place of life, how's my brother? How's my sister? I am so glad to see you. And it works that way. i got to finish this up, but I, I do know this. People in this world are stressed out. Do you all know anybody that's not stressed out? Well, they're, they're a Christian, or they're on drugs. They will be stressed when they come down, but they're, they're either a Christian, a born-again believer, or they're in another world. They're just, uh, but the chemicals will go down. So our endeavor is not to just get through life, to survive, to cope, to, to just to make it. That's what most people are doing, and that's why they're stressed. It's because every day depends on them making the right decision and luck going their way. But that's not the way we are. We already know our day in advance. I said, I already know what's going to happen, and it's good. 
And if it, if it doesn't turn that way for a, for a little bit, we just straighten it out and get to the other side of it. But I know I have a good life. And I know that that's the way it is and it won't be different. But the world's stressed out because they have no confidence. The Iranians and the Iraqis and the Chinese and, and everybody is just on the news. And they're just nervous as a, a, a what do they say, a long-tailed cat in a room of rockers. They're, they just don't, they just don't know what to do. But we're in that world. We're in that world of stressed out people. And it's very tempting. Don't deny it. It's very tempting not to be stressed out with them. If you watch a lot of news on TV, you've got a door open to stress. Because it's, it's, it's a zoo out there. If you have friends that talk about how terrible it is, that's your cue to say, Jesus, Jesus can fix this. That's what you're there for. That's why we stand there. We're a sweet savor. That's why they're telling you. It's because they're looking for someone that has that savor, that flavor inside of them. So um, I like what Dr. Cole said years ago. This is one of the most important things I ever got from him. And this, it changed my life that day. And it changes me always. He says, we minister for results, not for reaction. So let's put that in first person and, and confess it. I minister for results, not for reaction. So if they throw stuff at you and spit on you and curse you and all that sort of stuff, threaten you, that's just reaction. We don't care. We're going to the end of it. We want results. And so we just stay in the fight, so to speak. And Timothy says, I uh, like this, uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy, he says, fight the good fight. And then in 2 Timothy, he says, I have fought a good fight. And then he said, I have finished my course. And then he says it, I have kept the faith. What is the fight we're in? We're in the faith fight. We're, we're endeavoring to walk by faith and not by senses, sight, natural. That's our only fight. The devil is defeated. The curse of the broken law has been redeemed from us. Jesus has taken dominion over sin. The sin problem is solved, and we have dominion over our flesh. So what are you unhappy about? You just, you know, you, you got a nail there, and you want the boards to go together, but you got to pick up the hammer. Pound those two boards together. And he's like, well, my boards aren't together, and they're, they're moving. Well, pick up the hammer, and you do it. I do it. All I am working on, all that I'm focused on, is keeping me in faith. Keeping me on the promises. Keeping me in Him. I have no troubles. Could you all say that with me? I have no troubles. You don't have troubles. All you need, like R.W. Schombach used to say, you have no troubles, you just need faith in God. And that's the truth. So if you got troubles, it's not that God's working stuff out. It's that you are working stuff out. He's already worked it out. He's already solved the sin problem. So you got, well, I have this in my life. No, you don't. Your head might say you did, but you don't. That thing's been resolved. The curse, he says, uh, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. For cursed is every man that hangeth upon the tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. It's been fixed. The devil's been defeated. He's under our feet. He is not a problem. Well, 
Oh, let's just say this again. The devil's always going to try to draw you into, fight, into a fight that Jesus has already won. He's going to tell you you're sick, you're going to die. That is a favorite of his. He's going to try to draw you into a fight to go look it up and find out about it and whatever else. He's trying to get you into a fight that Jesus, by his stripes, you were healed. He's going to try to draw you into a lack fight that says, I don't know if we're going to make it this month. Well, Jesus already solved the lack problem. He became poor that you and I, through his poverty, might be made rich. So what else does he have to do? Well, you don't know what I've done. We can only imagine because we've all done it. We've all done it. As bad as you think what you did is exclusive and personal, we've all done it. I, I can never forget having a preacher one time says, when you get to heaven, God's going to video all your sins. Everybody's going to see them. That's the most terrifying thing I can think about. <laughs> I mean, gosh, because we all had a secret life. We all like, oh, no, nah, not that. Is there, is there a plan B heaven? Is there somewhere you go where the video's down? <laughs> that, was, that was terrifying to, to a young Christian to think that all my sins. But no, that's, he's going to broadcast on the Bama seat, the, white, the judgment throne of, of God, the white throne judgment. He's going to broadcast everything that's silver, gold, and precious stones. All that wood, hay, and stubble, it just got burned up. Nobody ever saw it. Isn't that good news? So we just stay in faith. So put on the Lord Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus. You go, well, I don't need to. He's in me. Yeah, but your head is not satisfied just knowing he's inside. You've got to put him on. Put him on. I put on the Lord Jesus. I put on the promises. I put on righteousness. I put on holiness. I put on, I am a workman that needeth not be ashamed. I put it on, and you'll win.